genre. Welcome back to Cornetto Minute, the soon-to-be daily podcast where we will analyze and celebrate Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy one minute at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez, assistant manager. I'm Scott Corelli. Uh, hello, I am Darren Husted, uh, most recently of the Prince Track by Track podcast. And hello, I am John Parker, and I am currently one of the strange people who's going through Batman on Batman 89 podcast. Welcome, guys. Thanks for stopping by. Hello. Thank you. Yeah, happy to have you guys. And today we'll be discussing Metal, the second episode. Third episode. The third episode of (laughs) Spaced Series 2, and I believe uh, the first pun title of the series. Ah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, so, let's, so let's get into it. This is this is widely remembered as the uh, the battle the 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 uh, robot wars episode over here in the states. Uh, it's more familiarly known as Battle Bots, which I will admit is a lesser name. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because I'm English, I don't know. I find the American one quite exciting and alluring. Battle Bots. It's, it's punchy. It's punchy. It like I think yeah. it sounds like an '80s cartoon. Battle Bots. It does. Mm-hmm. Oh, it should be toys of it and everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you should say that. So when I was a, a kid, around like the, the the 2000s is when I think this was like at the height in America. And I, I remember going to the mall, not even in a toy store, but like a Macy's mm. or like a, a department store. And there used to be little plastic battle bot toys. Oh, I remember those. Yeah. yeah. They, they it was got, like it was like getting it was like getting action figures for your favorite wrestler, but they were like robots from <laughs> BattleBots. Yeah, so it, it would be like if if War Bastard or um, uh, Sergeant. Oh God, <laughs> um, I, for, I forgot the name of Mike and Tim's. Uh, oh man, I can't remember either. Sergeant <laughs> Iron or Quiet, Sergeant, uh, something like that. Yeah, I, I've forgotten. <laughs> yeah. No, I just completely forgot because it's not fair because War Bastard has it painted on the side on the front <laughs> yes. of the robot. <laughs> and and to be honest, how do you get a better name than that? It's true. Oh yeah, yeah it sounds like a Jaeger. Very <laughs> true. Uh, but not only not only is this the uh, the the BattleBots thing. Well, Darren, what what are your do you have uh, do you remember when this craze was a big deal? Um, yes, I mean the thing is, I mean uh, to like. I don't think watching this episode that really get the flavor of how big Robot Wars was. Mm. Um, you know, Jeremy Clarkson, late of, um, you know, Top Gear, was the original presenter, but it really took off when Craig Charles, um, at the height of his Red Dwarf powers, became the, the host, uh, along oh. with Philippa Forrester doing the, um, the, the kind of the interviews with the teams. And, like, the two of them, the, like, just off the back of Robot Wars kind of you know, both become huge celebrities. I mean, Craig Charles already was, but, you know, Red Dwarf was on a bit of a hiatus. Um, And I just remember it kind of being appointment television, you know, uh, kind of people getting excited about, like, what types of robots would win. And they mentioned Sir Kill a lot in the introduction. 
and um yes. <laughs> Sir Killer Lot, you know, was like was like the boss, essentially, the the kind of the, the last level boss uh, of any kind of game of Robot Wars. And I d I don't recall people ever managing to beat Sir Killer Lot. Um, you know, there was a bit of controversy because, you know, obviously people started making every single robot eventually became just a wedge bot. And that was that was like the tactic was just to make them all wedges so they could just flip people. Yeah, and, once they um, cracked that code, the show is kind of over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So, and I think after after a, after a couple of seasons with Craig Charles as the host, they kind of shunted it off from BBC Two to like, you know, some far-flung channel and it kind of died, you know, a bit of a death after mm-hmm. that. I do like that it has sort of, I, w- I don't want to say re-emerged because it's not like popular, but I, I want to like make that, that very clear. Yeah, very clear. <laughs> it is not popular, but at least in the States, it has sort of had a rebirth as a children's educational, like engineering science program. Ooh. So it's kids building robots that fight each other. And it's kind of like semi-educational in, yeah. in the way that it's presented. And I actually kind of like that. Like if, if you're going to keep it around after you figure out the flippy thing, um, yeah. at least, at least, you know, let's teach some kids about robotics and engineering and stuff, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like it, it sort of makes it, it suddenly makes it charming that it's, it, it's like a, when, when it's a team of kids. I mean, I, I'm, I'm such a, I'm such a bigger fan of, of MasterChef Junior than I am of regular MasterChef. Uh-huh. <laughs> because it, I remember, yeah. I remember when I was in high school. Uh, the big thing was, cause I was, I went to, um, I was in a, uh, uh, what was called a C4 when I was in, uh, 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 class in, uh, high school. I, I still, to this day, I don't know what the four C's are, um, <laughs> but it was called C4. And the idea was that you went to your morning classes at your local school that were like your basic classes, your English your math, et cetera. And then you got on a bus and you drove to a specialty school where in my case, I uh, went to a TV production class for the remainder of the day. And so that's where I learned stuff about like broadcasting and things like that. Um, But also at that school was a uh, engineering program. And every year, the nerds in the engineering department would build a robot for that student production of Robot Wars. Um, or battle bots or whatever. Uh, so I remember it being a really big deal because they would uh, drive their new robot around uh, around the the yeah. school, like thinking they were better than the rest of you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the show has returned over here as well. It returned um, last year with uh, Dara Breen as the as the host. Oh, um, and and apparently there, there's a there's a new series coming out uh, this year as well. So. You know, not not kind of the same prominence as it had in the late nineties. I mean, there was a point in the late nineties where it was the most watched television show on BBC Two. Um, wow! And, and and you know, until that point, the most watched program had been Red Dwarf. So Craig Charles had both the you know the number one and number two most watched programs. Um, oh. But you know, holy so, moly! Yeah. Well, as someone who uh, lives in Liverpool, I feel obliged to say I love it because of Craig <laughs> Charles. But to be honest, I was never really that into it. I had a problem with it, despite the fact that during the first series, that was when I first had a beer. So that was an exciting time. But um, I didn't like it because the concept was so good. Robots fighting. Who doesn't want to see that? That's cool. 
But the the actual execution always it was <laughs> they would always win like because one of them would just break down like a cable would come loose <laughs> like that uh-huh. was it like there was never any actual fighting and they or they would just push each other for a bit it's a bit like watching UFC I don't get it they just end up rolling around on the floor together holding each other nothing happens uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um. Yeah, I was never a big fan. I just oh, remember it. um, its cultural impact for sure. For, for, for the sake of our, our listeners who have been like screaming at their at their iPad at their iPhones uh, or listening devices, the name of Mike and Tim's robot was Private Iron. That's it. Oh, Private Iron. There it is. <laughs> I kept wanting to call it Sergeant Slaughter, and that's a different thing. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I I, I do like that. I I like this. This BattleBot thing, like, uh, okay, so it's interesting where my lines get drawn with the references in Spaced, Mm, because the BattleBots thing doesn't really bother me. Like, I find it interesting as, like, a a thing that um, Tim and, 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 uh, uh, oh my god, Um, Tim and Mike (laughs) are, uh, are, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. Um, Tim, Tim and Mike are uh, are bonding over, so like I, I like it as an activity that they're bonding over and everything, and I like the uh, you know I, I like Dexter as a villain. Oh, he's oh, great. Ha- da- da- da. Uh, <laughs> my favorite line too. My, it's amazing. Um, so I so I just I really like that. I like how dramatic it is. I I like um, you know the sabotage and yeah, all of that you stuff. Know, I, I think I, that's I w- a lot of fun. Yeah, that doesn't that so that doesn't bother me, even though it is at the time a mm-hmm. very modern reference. It doesn't bother me, but it, the it's fight aged club better. It's aged better than it has any right to, in my opinion. Sure, the Fight mm-hmm. Club reference, however, I hate. I hate it. <laughs> I hate the Fight Club reference the way that I hated the Matrix re- reference in the mm-hmm. series opener. Well, yeah. um, you're not the you're not the biggest Fight Club fan on the best of days. No. Oh, no. thank God! I found someone else who isn't obsessed with it. I think most oh, yeah. people. I no. think after age nineteen, I think I think Fight Club kind of runs out of gas for most people. Yeah, or at least it should. Definitely when should. You, when you realize that buying a couch doesn't make you a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, but uh, but but yeah. So like, but then it's interesting because then. You know the RoboCop reference that opens the 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 episode, even though it makes no sense. It's there, oh god, yeah. There, yeah. there is there is never there's a webcam <laughs> on Private Iron in this teaser that it never appears on the robot ever again. The rest of the episode, it's just for the ro- RoboCop yeah. gag, and I love it. I don't even care. It feels um, it's it's just so lo- everything is so lovingly recreated. Even even Tim's last like I love this guy like right before. It yeah, gets, it, you know. <laughs> it's great. It's yeah, so it's good. funny. It's funny because the the RoboCop reference. I didn't I didn't watch Spaced when it was on uh, because I was at the age where I wasn't in on a Friday night at ten o'clock. So sure. Um, it wasn't until it came onto DVD a few years later that I actually watched it. And the show was sold to me by the this opening, by the RoboCop opening, because me and all my friends, when we were about 11, we all saw RoboCop. And by the time we were 12, we all knew it back to front, word, word for word. So some of my friends were like, you have to watch this show. And I was like, I, I'm really not interested. I really don't care. And they were like, well, just watch this then. And they just showed me the opening of this. 
<laughs> and the whole RoboCop stuff. And I was like, yeah, okay, then let's watch the rest of the show. <laughs> so this is the <laughs> thing that actually sold me on the show was that that was that kind of over-the-top RoboCop reference, you know. And just the fact that it has, like, so many kind of hidden jokes in the, you know, in the in the, the text that's on the screen. Other than it just being a perfect recreation of, like, you know, when they're drilling down the grid and, you know, the kind yeah. of pulling off of the, the plastic. <laughs> like, all all the different parts that make that part of RoboCop you know, the the thing and the whole, you know, we should lose the axe and, you know, I like the axe and all that kind of stuff. You know, that that was the thing that really sold me on the whole show. So, yeah. you know, from then I then watched all of series one and series two. So this just the opening couple of minutes of this was what sold me on space. So I appreciate the references because without them, I probably never would have watched the show. Yeah, no, the, the, it the, there's so much great little moments packed into this. I think though, like I let's use the axe. I like the axe. I like my face. I like your face. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm okay. Gonna, we can keep the axe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw the gauntlet down and say, I think this is Nick Frost's uh, finest hour in spaced Ooh. so far. So far. I think just, just beat for, he has so many just amazing, like, like, like Timmy, get me my tools is just like so many great <laughs> line readings. And just like, I love the little, um, when he's saying good night to private iron, he like, blinks in a very like affected way he was like good night little one and then like he just blinks with both eyes oh and i don't know it, it just there were so many great nick frost moments in this one for me yeah. I'm, I'm kind of torn with this one because i i do like the episode a lot and i think it's very funny but my favorite episodes of spaced are when it's very realistic because mm-hmm. these could be yep. characters that you know these could be your friends like it never goes too over the top but right. this episode does stretch the believability slightly with the well, with the whole Fight Club thing and things. It, right. It's just pushing it slightly out of where it normally is. And uh, again, I like that, but it also I, changes I, the feel. I just commented in uh, the last episode we covered um, because the last episode is my favorite episode of of the series. Mm. Um, which is the one where where Tim gets fired from the comic book store. Oh, that's a great um, one. <laughs> yeah, no. And it and it's like you said, it's the really normal ones. I I don't I'm not crazy about the ones that have a gimmick like mm. this one, but I think of the ones that have a gimmick, I think this one might be my favorite of the gimmicky episodes. Um because I while I like the robot wars thing and I think it's fun, my f- my my favorite part of the episode is the one flew over the cuckoo's nest stuff. Ah, yeah. uh, which <laughs> oh, is yeah. which is you know uh, over the top, but in a way that I I think works for the show. Um, because it's uh it's it's heightened within reality, if that makes sense. The reality of the sh- of the world and of the show, right. Whereas, whereas the robot wars thing, especially when you get to the robot fight club, it starts to dip over into the uh, matrix agents thing sure, we're, from the yeah. premiere, where Daisy knows kung fu, and it's not clear. Like, wait, is this a fantasy sequence, or does she like canonically know kung fu now? Like, right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the 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 um the one flew over the cuckoo's nest bit is one. I love the slow burn references where it's so subtle. That it's like halfway through the scene. It really isn't until you meet the the boss, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's a nurse ratchet!" Oh my god, this is. And then you see like that they got the <laughs> son of the guy from the play, and like he he looks like the chief. It just it was such a great slow realization of what they were doing. Uh huh. 
Well, um, even I got it, and I'm going to shock you. I I have never seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but oh. I've seen so many parodies of it over of the course, years yeah. and everything. <laughs> Instantly, I was also like, oh, yeah, that's what they're doing. Okay. <laughs> that's uh, That was Breakfast Club for me for a while. Hmm. Oh. Where I was so much more aware of the iconography before the movie. Mm-hmm. I think that's what puts me off watching this is because I've just, I'll know every scene before I've watched it. <laughs> Oh sure, yeah. It's like it's like the sixth sense. Like like you can't watch the sixth sense anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. No, right. Unless you're like a Bruce Willis completist and you wanted to see a good Bruce Willis performance. <laughs> oh, it is a great movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, I and I I also yeah I, I agree with Scott the uh, as someone who has worked in a, in a restaurant it all just felt so emotionally real like uh-huh. that it 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 sold every and like I really. I really like what this episode has to say about effort and, you know, the episode is called metal. And, and I think it, 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 it shows how I think we're, we're supposed to try in life and we're kind of, you know, it, it <laughs> real life is uh, adult life is sort of realizing that just because you don't care about it doesn't mean you can get away with not putting effort into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a very important lesson that Daisy learns in this episode. Mm hmm. I think that fits with Daisy's character as well, like in the show. The like the storyline works for her character. She she kind of does have this kind of aimlessness to her anyway. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she keeps getting fired from all these jobs and then ends up in this job where she she's the one who's like rebelling, that kind of fits with her character anyway, which I think is why that really works. Mm-hmm. And I know that obviously you know, there is a kind of militaristic thing with um with Nick Frost being in the TA and all that kind of stuff. But the Robot Wars stuff, when it starts to verge into the kind of Fight Club parody things, it does seem like it's going a little over the top. Although yeah. the only real elements of parody are like that they're 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 not wearing shirts and they say the rules. That seems to be the only kind of real Fight Club elements. And, you know, the fact that it's in some kind of basement somewhere. Right. Like there's there's no, there's nothing else from the film, you know, it's just a very kind of surface reference. It's not it's not like it's not as deep as the RoboCop stuff or as clever right. as the Cookies Nest mm-hmm. stuff. Right. Which is which is why I don't love it because it it's it was such a fresh reference at the time. That's all they can do is make a surface reference. Uh, much like the Matrix one earlier. Whereas like series yeah. 1, I don't remember series 1 having any references like that. It's just in series 2. Well, with regards to the Fight Club thing, actually, I've always wondered how people get into making these robots for these shows, you know, like uh, Robot Wars mm-hmm. and what was it, BattleBots, you said. Because mm-hmm. surely there must be some kind of underground fighting thing like this. Like, wh- how do you hone your skills at this kind of thing before you move up to the big leagues? There must be an amateur sure. <laughs> circuit or something. Come on. Yeah, like, like imagine if, imagine if, like, Rocky just went straight to fighting Apollo Creed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> remembering some of the episodes of Robot Wars, I'd say that's actually what it felt like when people came up against Killer Lot. Is basically they would walk in and the house robots yeah. would cut their robots in two, and they'd be like, "Oh, we probably my son and I built about... this on the weekend, and it's gonna be ripped <laughs> apart." <laughs> yeah, so so you know, in a lot of ways, Robot Wars was the kind of underground amateurs. There, there was no other kind of like um, stage before that. You just you just had your your kind of twenty weeks of work ripped into pieces in about twenty seconds. I, I feel like there's some almost some kind of like weird Mike Lee movie about like like an aging father and his son <laughs> like building a robot together on the weekends and then, like, <laughs> going to the big city for it to fight. <laughs> 
I mean, that feels more like a Ken Loach to me than a... Yeah, it's, than yeah a Michael, that may be true. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the robot is destroyed, but uh, their bond has never been stronger. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, just Mark Rylance just in a sweater holding a little controller. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, I just I like... I, I'm just pro Mark Rylance in a sweater, to be honest. Sure, of course. <clears throat> um so uh the other element of this that um we should call out before we start sort of getting into like favorite bits I guess right is um Brian's storyline oh, which yes. is that he the C is plot so to speak <clears throat> right the C story um he is given a uh an, an installation at an art mm-hmm. place at, like sort of last minute and so he has to come up with an art installation uh to put in I I didn't I never knew what an art installation was before watching this show. I just assumed it was another Ooh. word for an exhibit, which I guess it sort of is, but it's a little more specific than that. Um, and uh, so I I, I appreciate uh, this episode for <laughs> at least yeah. uh, defining what an art installation is for me, and and very <laughs> much like how how Daisy's storyline. I resonated with me on a like job level, like rent paying level. This, uh, what happens to Brian in this episode feels so honest as to what it's like to be a creative. So many of like our biggest breaks are just like, Hey, someone dick me over and I need a replacement. Can you be there? And like, I can be there and just you're, you're, you're set. Yeah. That's very true. I do love the art he comes up with as well, because I, I've seen similar installations to this because um, recently I went to see that that uh, bed of Tracy Emin. Have you mm. uh, heard of this? No. Oh, she's well, she's an artist from from <laughs> here, and it's um, it's it's basically a bed that she slept in uh, and just left junk all around it, and that's the installation. It's like a famous piece here, and I always thought that sounds stupid. It sounds ridiculous, but when I saw it in the flesh, so to speak. It was it was actually quite intriguing, like looking at all the different pieces of junk she's left laying around. There's different like soda cans and and uh, crisp packets and things like that. So it's quite yeah. intriguing. And that it reminded me of the kind of thing he's doing here, although his is more minimal, obviously minimalist. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm a well, one of my favorite podcasts right now is uh, it, it's called a, a piece of work with Abby Jacobson from from Broad City, and oh, yeah. she it's about art, and she she discusses it in such a earnest unpretentious way that it, it really has gotten me to look you know when we were in chicago scott for the live show i got to go to the um i forgot the name of it oh my god <laughs> one of the the the, the art the mu the art museum in chicago by the bean um and it was great and, and so i don't know like that i i maybe it's a little bit of reviewing space but i have been thinking about art more than i usually do hey well space is yeah. making everyone cultured See, yes, as, <laughs> as I'm sure was their intention. <laughs> um, as far as this piece that Brian puts together, uh, I I wanted to I wanted to take my hand at I wanted like I wanted to treat it as an actual piece of art sure. rather than rather than uh, a, a parody of art. <laughs> um, and I wanted to because <laughs> the thing about it is it can't be a parody. Like it's one thing to let. Uh, uh, what's oh man what's what's uh what's brian's ex's name um oh right uh volva um, yeah mm. so it's it's one thing <laughs> to let pull. volva be uh, a, a parody like mm. let let volva's art be a parody of 
that sort of pretentious art because Volva isn't an earnest character. Volva is kind of cynical and, you know, I we talked about it a little bit in that episode, but it, we kind of got the vibe that Volva Volva's making all of this up and isn't a real artist. Sure, Not the emperor really. has no clothes and all that. Right. Whereas Brian is very earnest about art and is, um, you know, everything that he does seems to come from his very soul. And so <laughs> I looked at this piece and I just thought, well, we just had the episode where he was having trouble creating art, being inspired because of his relationship with Twist. He's too happy. He doesn't have that pain. Mm. And... So this phone that's ringing uh, that, you know, is just sort of has a spotlight on it. It's very dramatic. Um, And now granted, him falling into the piece isn't part of the actual piece because (laughs) that was an accident. (laughs) But but the actual piece itself, the actual installation that he created, I feel like it actually – sort of represents his anxious feeling of answering the phone and talking to Twist and losing his artistic metal, so to speak. Ah. Or or sort of like that feeling an artist can get or any kind of creative person can get that like you are racing against some kind of clock, something external, like a phone call is constantly trying to break into your your space. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. Well, as, as someone who suffers from severe anxiety, I feel his pain. <laughs> this this speaks to me. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it really, to me, sees, uh, from the commentaries uh, at me guessing, I think the choice to make Brian's art installation earnestly, like actually like a thing that is thought out, uh, appears to be the work of, of Heinz and A. Stevenson as, as a writer. And I think that's just such a more difficult, but such a more honorable choice. To to no, like this actually isn't going to be a joke. It's I mean it's you know going to be simple, but it's yeah we're going to take it seriously. Yeah, this is this is yeah. a real thing that he would do because the character is real. We're following him. He's not a cartoon character like Volva, so we should be able to understand his art um, because it's not at this point it's not a joke anymore. Right? They've stopped doing the. The uh, you know, what, what 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 kind of art do you do? Uh, well, it's pain and it's blah, you know, that <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah, there's that well, there's that great moment where the uh, the guy who called about the installation is like, oh, it's pain and misery and and anxiety, and then just uh, the iconic shot of Marsha double fisting red wine glasses <laughs> and, while smoking a cigarette. I was like, well, that's all Brian, and I'm just like, ah, oh, it's great. That's my kind of woman. yeah i think i think it's always it's always like interesting that that of all the characters you know um you you have the kind of references and stuff like that but but each of the characters uh always has something that kind of grounds them and i think with brian it is always like the art the fact that his art is always it's not meant to be like you say it's not meant to be a kind of parody of that type of art it is just meant to be his his art and and that's you know that's where he's coming from is this this real place and i think that always helps kind of ground any of the episodes that kind of start to get too far into parody and stuff that there's always at least one storyline in each episode that kind of tries to keep everything a little bit more grounded and you know in this one it's just a kind of c plot but at least it's it's something that's there yeah and i'm i just want to say i uh that's a hell of a montage halfway through the episode of like 
Tim and Mike fixing the robot, uh, uh, Brian, like actually putting, you know, hand to paint and paint to wall and Daisy doing dishes. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, like we all, this is like how we each, each of us feel when we're like in the zone and you almost do feel like an action hero or like you're the truly the protagonist of your own story in those moments where you're like, I'm going to just work today. I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it helps Absolutely. as well that Mike, like to, to him, that, that is heaven. Isn't it? Like he's, he's in his <laughs> yeah. element there working on this thing. It's what he wants to be doing as well. Mm-hmm. And Tim is just so supportive in this episode. He has no problem taking a backseat to, to Mike for this adventure. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so uh, what are our what are our favorite bits? Darren, what's your favorite bit from this? I mean, it seems foolish just to say the opening, but I love that Robocop so, so much, um, you know, <laughs> uh, and and just I, the thing is just the, the way that they switched when he takes the plastic off. And that's a perfect kind of copy of the same shots from the from the film Robocop. Um, you know, and, and that's that's just that's just one part that is always whenever people think whenever I think about space and people talk about space, that's the one thing I think about is that kind of pitch perfect kind of Robocop parody right at the very start of this episode. Um, and, you know, I, I enjoy other parts of it, but that's the bit that always ends up kind of sticking with me. Well, with, this, with the start of it, I, I especially love how when the robots booting up during it's like a initializing sequence, if you look at the text, it says fried gold, 75%. Is in there. <laughs> That's in part of the boot up sequence with all the, all the serious stuff in there. Like they've slipped that in. They had to get a little reference in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it also, says, it also says chocoblock in there as well. So, yeah, I mean, chocoblock. What does the tattoo insignia on, on, on Private Iron mean? Like, fuck it, uppets? What, 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 how would you say it? The fuckest uppest. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> right. Oh, do we want to talk about uh the the will they won't they scene this episode? The Daisy and uh, Tim have? Oh. Uh maybe is it your favorite bit? We're in favorite bits. Um <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was gonna ask I was gonna ask John. We'll come back to we'll circle back around to that. <laughs> okay, um, cool. Yeah, yeah. John, what's your favorite bit of the episode? Well, my, my number one favorite bit I've already mentioned, really, it's, uh, it's Brian and his whole story with the art. To me, that's the, that's the best thing. Because the, the least interesting thing to me out of all of it, although it's not bad, is the robot stuff. I prefer uh-huh. the other two plots. They're more my kind of thing. And Brian's is just perfect, which I think is because Mark Heap is such a great actor. Because I, yeah. I think he, he comes across as a natural. It doesn't look like, or sound like he's acting. He just sounds like some guy you're talking to. Like yeah. your friend, he, yeah. He's, he, he miraculously grounds such a manic character into reality. Yeah. Because yeah. other people could play that character over the top, like a kind of crazy, wild, uh, you know, shouting. And, but he's, he's the complete opposite. He's yeah. really chilled. And I, I love him in everything he's in. Um, like I don't know if you've mentioned it already. Have you, have you seen Green Wing? Because he's in that and he's the best thing in that show. No, I'm afraid no, not. I haven't seen. That. Oh, it's a, it's a comedy. You haven't seen Green Wing. <laughs> no. I don't even know what that is. Is that oh. a companion to Red Dwarf? No, <laughs> it's a it's it's like a hospital parody of um, Casualty, but kind of it's like an hour long comedy. It's really hard to describe what it, it what it is. But yeah. oh, those are the best ones. Like, it's edited yeah. so strange as well. Like a scene will end, and instead of just like fading out or cutting to something else. They'll like speed up the footage. They'll everyone will just go like, Wah! and then it'll slow down. It's got like really oh. strange cuts and huh. it's kind of we'll like a music video. 
Yeah, we'll have to add it to the extracurricular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he, he's in sure. that, and he's playing a doctor. I'm trying to remember his name, Statham, and he's <laughs> really strange and erratic. But he's easy again, easily the best thing in that. Um, I suppose my other favorite thing as well is um, having I can't remember his character's name. The the rival with the robot in this played by oh, Dexter. Dexter, Dexter. Yeah, because he's played by Reese Shearsmith. Um, and do you, do you know him? Um, I bl- okay. I'm not familiar with his work, but am I correct? And they mentioned that uh, in the commentary that he's a member of the League of Gentlemen. That show, yes. uh-huh. yeah, that yeah. also yeah. In- also had Mark Gatiss in it, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And he and he uh, and he comes back around, uh, and he's in uh, the World's End later as one of the only humans left in. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. In- Shut yeah. up, Trevor. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's exactly. crazy. I completely forgot about that. I've only seen the movie the one time in the in the cinema, and then I've not watched oh. it again since. I was, I was actually thinking of rewatching it soon. So that's that's a nice surprise. Yeah. Um, but he is in the League of Gentlemen, which is which is great. I love it. But I prefer mm-hmm. they do a follow up one called Psychoville, which oh. is really twisted and uh, it's very dark humor he plays uh, well multiple characters but he's chiefly a he's an evil clown um Whoa. yeah it's well he's not so evil he's just well those are back he, now he's a bit of a dick yeah yeah they're back <laughs> they're in vogue aren't they? <laughs> so i just love the fact he is in this because it's it's such a perfect show for him to be in yeah and, and it's been so great watching this show it, it is a, such a snapshot of a generation of, of British comedy, like like right before quote like the break, mm. uh, and it, it's been really cool as like an outsider, a curious outsider, like going in and finding out all of these like oh like this person was in this and this person was in this, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be at- somewhat controversial though because I know you you guys think differently, but to me, this is their best work as a unit is spaced because oh. it, it captures. It's kind of like a raw, almost punk kind of a. Yeah, it, yeah. I, 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 I have equated it several times to like the debut album. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And I always like debut albums, so that's my thing. When when they get each movie to me after this, I mean they're all good. Don't get me wrong, I love them all. But they course, lose yeah. something each time to the point where like the world's end. It, it was okay. It was pretty good. Whereas Shaun of the Dead's like amazing. So it's like each time it's a step down. They're losing something. I don't know what it is. You know I, what and, it is. Uh, oh no, go on, please. I was just going to say, um, I mean, a lot of people here, sorry to say this, seem to think it's kind of um, because they're becoming more Americanized, <laughs> because they're, they're becoming bigger, they're in movies and things like this. Mm-hmm. So they're losing that uh, down-to-earth British feel. Hmm. Yeah, you know, one, one, of my, one of my favorite bands, I think I've even brought them up on this show, one of my favorite bands is The Hold Steady, and mm. their early albums are about so much like that feeling you get when you're young and you're at a party and you're drinking like beer in a plastic cup and they're you know you're in the back of a car and you know people have drugs in a backpack and you i I, i'm so in love with that world and it's you know even back when before i was doing that kind of stuff i was like oh this is what it's gonna be like but their later records are very like chill and calm because like they're growing up as people and there's a moment where i'm like i don't know if this is what i love anymore i don't know if i can follow them down this road (laughs) Hmm. I mean, so that's that, that understandable, happen. but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, see, and see, for from my perspective, I I think I think it's watching Spaced is quaint, 
And it's like nice to see where they come from, but I'm much more interested in what they've grown into mm. um, rather than who they were at the beginning. Because I think – I actually think it's, um, I don't know, somewhat disrespectful to be like uh, – they were better when they <laughs> didn't know what they were doing. Um, and I just – I find that – I find that um, – yeah, I can't. I can't really get on board with that. I think that they're all better now than they were. I definitely, in the beginning. I, I definitely have filmmakers and directors where that is true for me in uh-huh. taste. I think, but for, but I think Edgar Wright just happens to not be that case. Oh, um, uh, Edgar Wright on his own, he just gets better and better and better. There's no doubt about that. I, I love him, mm-hmm. but I think it's just as a unit. I, I'm uh-huh. not sure what's there's something they're they're missing each time. I'm not sure what it is. Um, th- like, this this I, captures it all perfectly to start with for me. Yeah. Well, it's just so earnest and just so pure. You know, Scott talks all the time about, and I, and I love this, but when when he talks about the Evil Dead, you, you're you're almost more in love with the story of the movie than the movie itself. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> by a mile. Uh, what do you think about all this, Darren? <laughs> I, I <laughs> you know what I think the 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 like the missing factor that that probably you know is missing once you get to the films is uh is jessica because you know she's yeah. a good yeah. writer on the show yeah. and i think you know if there was a film where she was co-writing with simon Pegg and it was being directed you know by uh by edgar and it and it had you know the, the three of them in that might kind of get back to what this you know the feeling that this show mm. had because Scott i think just that's, talking about that's that. kind of the yeah, I think that's the kind of missing factor. If if there is something missing, I don't think there's anything missing. But if there is something missing, that might be what you're feeling is is the be. the influence that she had on them. It's a shame I also, that she I, I also, never... Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh no. I, oh, I was gonna say. I, I I just I also think that it's uh it's just a side effect of them growing older too, and just being interested mm. in different things. Yeah. Um, you know, because like the world's end is really all about them looking back at spaced to a certain <laughs> yeah. extent yeah you know yeah, and and just being like you know uh it would be weird if we were still doing that <laughs> like that's kind oh. of what that whole movie's about you know well it so. would because you get loads of people still to this day going uh oh what is spaced ever going to come back i want a new i want it to be you know to come back again and have a new a new series but mm-hmm. no that would be terrible let's be honest nobody no. wants to see that sure no. zoolander too <laughs> yes right <laughs> Right. I mean, you say that, but the thing is, there is already precedent in British sitcoms with the Likely Lads, where they they had like mm. a gap of like a decade, and then they came back with uh-huh. whatever happened to the Likely Lads. So it's or, not or Red of. Dwarf. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, Red you Dwarf. know, yeah, so. the kind of the large gap and then coming back. It's not unheard of in British sitcoms. But but Red Dwarf again, I would argue, not as good as its heyday. I mean, it's still. Mm-hmm. I, I still watch it when it's on. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, it's on. But <laughs> it, I think it, it's getting better. I think it took them a little bit to find their footing from coming back because I think they had yeah. to like relearn how to do the show with the actors as who they are today, you know, and like find a yeah. happy medium. Because like I think this last season was better than the first season back, which was better than the movie that they did. Oh yeah, that movie. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I, like I think the... they're getting better every time, but yeah, I, I I definitely see what you mean. I did like the Blade Runner references in that uh, that movie, if you want to call it that. But uh, other than that, everything special, else was I guess, pretty terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, did did you understand the bit where 
he visits the set of the soap opera that the actor is on. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was unsure <laughs> if you'd just be like, "What's going on?" <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I follow, uh, I, I follow uh, British television at least enough to have gotten that reference. But please um, tell me you don't watch Coronation Moses. Street, though. You don't watch. No, that, no, yeah. no, 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 no. But like, just like through, <laughs> just through like general like cultural osmosis, you know, you just like <laughs> hear about this stuff. Ah, I thought that was going to be like your next podcast was like covering every episode of Coronation Street from the start. I oh no, even I don't have that much free time. Um, <laughs> Nick, Nick, what what do you think is your favorite bit from this? You know, I just I really loved that montage, and uh, it, it was good. just such a it was such a cool way to bring in everyone's. You know, it, it, it to me, it's a mark of a sitcom success that you. It's one thing to be able to watch a character fail and fail again. But to for it to be as entertaining to watch these characters really kind of come through in a pinch and and succeed uh, was so like, oh, I really love these guys and I love I love watching them make it. Uh, yeah, even even if it's, it, it, you know, and even if it is one step forward, it you feel so earned. Uh, yeah. And yeah, th- it's just such a cuddly show. It just makes you feel so good. <laughs> It oh. does. <laughs> I uh I really liked Marsha in this episode. Oh, um yeah. I I loved her her opening message. <laughs> the, the thing that sounded like a conversation but then the joke was that it was a message and then <laughs> and then they doubled down on the joke by her being like this is your mother by the way. It's your mother by the way. Which is I just I just love I love Marsha. I love that she's struggling with losing her daughter to being grown up. And I love that she in the previous episode she has sort of accepted that she has lost Brian forever as a romantic interest. And so now in this episode, she's kind of embracing him as like a mother figure um, (laughs) where she's like going to his show to support him. And she's the only one. No one else goes to his installation, not even twist. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a good point. Wow. I never did that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mike and Tim were busy. (laughs) Right. And Daisy was having to work a double. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So, so, so it's on twist twist. Where were you? Yeah. yeah, there's a shocking <laughs> lack of twist in this episode. We need answers. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but yeah, no, I, 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 I just remembered another another bit that I loved, which is where like Marsha's like, oh, you know, I was gonna open a wand, but I'll, I'll save it. And then like as he's walking away, you hear like the pop and just like ah, uh, <laughs> just the weirdest noise. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> She it's always makes weird noises like that. That's kind of like her thing. Because um, yeah. she's, she's in, as well, very briefly, one episode of my favorite comedy, I'm Alan Partridge. Uh-huh. Uh, have, have you seen that? Oh, like they, they go on a date. Yeah, right? he, she yes. works for, for Alan Partridge. And <laughs> mm-hmm. he. I'm not sure what his scheme is. If he's trying to trick her into sleeping with him so he can then fire her for... You know, going against the his company policy because yeah. he needs to cut someone from the business. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, she's she's in that, and they they have a little fling. They go to an owl sanctuary as a date. <laughs> it's, it's, she's fantastic in that. That's the first time I think that's probably the first time I saw her actually. Because that'd be before before space that episode. Mm, nice. But yeah, check that out. I think it's the I, first. Yeah, the first series of I'm Alan Partridge. We'll add it to the Coogan minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so what what uh oh the uh you Nick you wanted to talk about the the 
the sexual tension scene with the with dropping the axe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm always surprised. I, I guess compared to some American shows, I've I'm always like, oh, they, it's really subtle how they do the whole like will they won't they thing. I think with New Girl, it, it kind of like shot itself in the foot with like the Nick Jess tug of war thing. In my opinion, uh-huh. I I also stopped watching. Scott tells me it gets better, um, <laughs> but yeah, I was just so surprised at how like oh we're doing this this week. Okay. Hmm. I I uh I like that every time they do one of those will they won't they moments on this show, it's always ridiculous and over the top and <laughs> and it really just feels like they're trolling the shippers and trolling the um like the idea the concept yeah the I, yeah the concept yeah. of the will they won't they couple. Um, and you know, cause they, it's, it's very, it's a very similar scene to the, uh, you know, Daisy, we have to do this. It's important. And then, you know, you cut to them having cleaned the apartment, but it looks like they just had sex. Um, (laughs) so, you know, it's, it definitely is very similar, uh, the way that it's sort of structured and, and everything. And, um, I, but I, but I, my favorite part of the whole thing is, uh, Mike interrupting, um, and causing interrupting the scene and causing even the camera to move uh, <laughs> and react to him entering the room. So I just I love that. <laughs> oh, I just thought of another Mike thing I love actually. Completely forgot to mention it. When he's going to the shed to check on the robot, he's uh, he's humming the theme tune to the TV program Blind Date. If uh, if I'm hearing <laughs> yeah. that right, Which yeah. is... no, it is. It's defi- it definitely is Blind Date. It, it whistles <laughs> a little bit of. Uh... And that's uh, like this the the bit from a uh, I I I don't know I mean I'm going down a kind of rabbit hole here yeah blind date I'm going to stop there before I go any further <laughs> oh no I want to hear a full rendition of this come on <laughs> again there's a Liverpool connection there because the host is from Liverpool so you know I'm there I want to hear some kind of dedication to this city Do it. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll let you off yeah but uh, uh... <laughs> another sh- another show that's come back recently as well with a different Liverpoolian host yeah. Oh no, that's not right. You can't do that. That's blasphemy. There can't be there can't be more than one host from Liverpool. Um, <laughs> no, it's a crime. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I will say that 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 getting down to business montage, as mm-hmm. I I would like to call it, um, to bring up Mulan. It is, <laughs> it is. Uh, I I mean one of what three kind of main montages on the show like that. Um, and it's interesting that it's the only one that's in the middle of the, of a series. Cause the other two are the ones that are at the end of each series. There's a montage like that at mm. the end of series one. And then another one at the end of series two. Um, and this feels like one of those montages, but it's, it's uh, just kind of in the middle of the season, which uh, I don't know. It's good. I really like, mm. The way that, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, the way that Edgar uh, directs montages is always really impressive. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think that's pretty much all I got. I, I you know, I'd like to talk about about uh, Joanna Scanlon, uh, Tina, or Nurse Ratchet, uh, <laughs> as the case may be, um, who, as as Nick uh, pointed out in the commentary, Nick Frost uh, pointed out in the commentary, her voice is hypnotic, uh, and it, oh, it very yeah. much is. Uh, I've seen her in other things, and it always seems like she's playing 
some sort of middle mm. management kind of mm. character. Well, Scott, she was recently in one of your favorite films from last year, Bridget Jones's Baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, she was like okay. a makeup person, yeah. Um, but she, uh, has, she, has a, she has a Doctor Who connection because, of course, she co-created Getting On. And the first two series of that were directed by Peter Capaldi. Um, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, he just yeah. always does stuff like that where he just like sneaks in. <laughs> Hello, I did this. I know Alex yeah. Borstein now. <laughs> um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I was I was surprised looking at her IMDb list that she had never been in Doctor Who. That's shocked me. Um, it always shocks yeah, me she, when a British actor. Yeah, when a, yeah, when a British actor isn't in Doctor Who, it's always surprising. <laughs> well, I've yeah, said she, this she's on. She's friends with Perk Capaldi, so, you know, that's one, that's one step removed, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I've said this on our show, but, you know, in the UK, it's our version of national service. You know, you get called up to Doctor Who. So basically, everybody has been on Doctor Who. I'm sure I'm probably due to go on it any minute now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> over here, it was Law and Order. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's the American version, is Law and Order, for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, I remember right. her. <laughs> uh, I think that's uh, that's that's all I got for this one. Um, yeah, fun episode. Oh, oh yeah. I thought of one thing. Oh, oh okay. I can't right. believe I did not think of this before. One of my favorite responses in TV history is in this episode. It's when oh. uh, again I've forgotten Reese Shearsmith's character, the the villain Dexter. Right, Dexter. Dexter. There you go. I'll never remember that. <laughs> he uh, says uh, after smashing the robot, he goes, "Sorry to hear about your robot. Crying shame that." And then yeah. Tim goes, what, what do you mean crime shame? You did it, you fucking plum. <laughs> <laughs> There's a genius to, to I, think, I don't think I've seen anyone that isn't Simon Peck do this, but he lets his characters think about what they're going to say for a yeah. beat. And it, it makes the insult like, like, like fucking shaft. Like he's kind of coming yeah. up with it on the spot. <laughs> and it's great because that's what happens to me in real life in the moment. I'm angry. I cannot think of a good insult or comeback. <laughs> I'll say something stupid like that, and then for the rest of the day, be like, "Oh my god, <laughs> what's going on with me?" And also, also not for nothing, but that that uh, the the BattleBot Fight Club fight between uh, Private Iron and uh, and uh, War Bastard uh, War Bastard um, ends in a way that I think we all wish. Uh, every battle bots would end, which is one of the bots just drops two rockets and uh, it just blows up the other robot. That's exactly the progression I wanted on on those shows. I wanted to see those robots exploding. I wanted flames. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And even those robot, even those rockets are a little reference because they're um, Thunderbirds. Um, oh, no. oh. So, so they can't get away with not putting a reference somewhere. They just have to constantly reference something. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh, so, uh, speaking of reference, I didn't know until the commentary that uh, the Tim's vision of the man with the white eye laughing at his comics is uh, is a reference to Preacher. Oh, okay. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Oh, is that? I guess that. I guess he would be Hairstar, wouldn't he? Huh. Yeah, I never Again, put that I, yeah. together before. Interesting. Yeah, I, I just know that because they 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 said so in the, the Tarantino commentary. Tarantino Tarantino's back in this week, guys. Yeah. Hey. Um. All right. Well, uh, I think that about uh, wraps us up on uh, on on this on metal. Um. Darren, uh, tell people about some of the shows that you 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 have done and are doing. <laughs> 
Well, in the past, I did a minute-by-minute podcast about a talking cat called The Talking (laughs) Cast, and then a minute-by-minute podcast about The Boy Next Door called The Cast Next Door, and then finally a minute-by-minute podcast about Clueless called As If, on which both of you... Just really off-brand with with that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And... And then um, most recently, um, in the last year, I've been doing a podcast about uh, Arrested Development called I've Made a Huge Mistake. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm currently just past the midway point of season four um, with that one. Um, So and then obviously when season five appears next year, I guess I'll have to kind of watch it and, and do a podcast about that. Um, and then my most current podcast that I'm doing the most amount of episodes on or about, you might say, is uh, Prince Track by Track, uh, where I'm going through the entire of Prince's um, discography, starting a few months ago with his very first album and going all the way through to May 2019. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that's that's quite a large project. Oh, my yeah, God. <laughs> I would say that's a lot. Um, and, uh, John, what about you? Well, I feel like a child in comparison. I'm a newbie. I've only got the one show <laughs> in the past or present. So I currently, but it's am quite a, co- a goodie. It's a goodie. Oh, well, well, thank you very much. Uh, hopefully <laughs> your listeners will enjoy. Um, I am the co-host of Bat Minute 89, where we, uh, go through minute by minute, Tim Burton's 1989 Batman. Uh, I mean, we are planning to do the others, so we probably should have picked a more, a name that encompasses the whole lot, but we'll deal with that when we come to it. Um, mm-hmm. So make sure to check that out if you like Batman, if you like Tim Burton, or if you just like two guys who don't really know what they're doing, just falling apart, you know. <laughs> so, so. I'm See, I'm, real... I'm, I am I am looking forward to the show evolving its name every season so that next <laughs> season you'll be Batman at Returns and then Batman yeah. at Forever. I, I, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm fascinated to see if you go Batman and Robin or if you do Batman and something else or I don't know. Be well, we genuinely we were trying to get a guest host to come on like for every episode uh, called Robin. Like genuinely, we were looking for a Robin <laughs> to come on, <laughs> but we've been unsuccessful thus far. Uh, I, I do wish Batman Forever was the last movie in that set because that's such a great name for your podcast to end on, isn't it? Batman mm-hmm. Forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you could you could always reach out to Chris O'Donnell. He's not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. When was the last time we saw him? Jeez. I don't he's know. On one of the uh, he's on one of the NCISs with LL Cool J. <laughs> yeah. So um, he's not busy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the poor guy. The poor guy. He uh, gave it his best, you know. Yeah, he did. Sort of Kobayashi uh, Maru of a of a of a role. Yeah. yeah. It's true. Must um, be Damon Wayne's. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh thanks guys for, for joining us. Uh appreciate it. Um I well, do you guys have any uh any like particular and I can cut this bit out if the answer is no. <laughs> do you have any particular uh memories of the first time that you watched Spaced? I guess Darren, you kind of already told your story um, with the RoboCop thing, but uh, yeah. John, did you did you have anything in particular, um, or not really? Well, I I did watch it the, when it first aired. I mean, I was probably far too young to understand half of what was going on. I'm trying to think because it would have been it been '99 when it yeah when it first came out. Yeah, um, so it actually, it might not have been the first run in that year, but I definitely watched it just before the new year because. I think I saw the first episode the same day that Futurama launched, which would be New Year's Eve, 99? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm terrible with remembering. Um, 
but yeah, I watched it all the way through the first series then, and I loved it just because it had geeky references in it, and I was a geeky kid, so you know, it's perfect. He mentioned Star Wars, my favorite thing, and video games and, and whatnot. Uh, but over the years, I've always just gone back to it and back to it and back to it. And I think I like it more with the passage of time because I've been through that era of my life now and I I can relate to all these things that are happening. And um, well, and I've met people like Tyres. So, you know, <laughs> I've met many people like him in real life. <laughs> uh, but no, it was, I, I loved it from day one. Um, I never did see the second series though until I was much older. I don't know why. It wasn't really... It wasn't really as uh, heavily promoted as the as the first one, unfortunately. Yeah, that that seems to be a um, sort of a theme with our with our guests is that a lot of our guests have only seen series one, uh, mm. just or or watched series one and then didn't see series two for a long, long time. Mm. So yeah, I think I caught I it know. when it came out on DVD. So that's uh, you know a good bit later. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's it. Uh, so thanks for joining us, guys. And uh, to everyone at home, we will be back in uh, two days with uh, episode 204. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.